Hello and welcome to episode 2 of The Thirst Time. The aim of The Thirst Time is to take a deep dive into that first beer that changed everything for some of the most creative, boundary-pushing, innovative and generally just all-round great people in the industry today and how that moment was the first step in the career they now find themselves in. Today's guest is writer and photographer Corey Smith. I'm super excited to talk to this guy. I think Corey really exemplifies what it is we're trying to do with this podcast slash project, which is to speak to people who aren't necessarily involved in the brewing process. They were just fans who got curious and through one way or another found the place slash career nestled amongst a heap of crushed aluminium cans. Corey's background was in marketing and advertisement, but after picking up a few beers from his local hangouts in Brooklyn, he soon became consumed by the beer bug. Using his skills as a photographer and writer, he began his Instagram account, BK Beer Guy. The account quickly built up notoriety. People were drawn in by his incredible use of photography and thoughtful tasting notes. Through this, he gained the hallowed crown, which you will probably hate me saying, as a beer influencer. After recently relocating to Copenhagen, he was quickly picked up by the world-renowned chef Matt Orlando to curate the aesthetic of Matt's new brewery project called Broaden and Build. As well as his incredible photography, Corey has written articles for Good Beer Hunting and has recently launched a really insightful and visually stunning project centred around the effects of the current crisis on Copenhagen's restaurant scene called Closed Open. We dig into this and a lot more, but we begin by asking what that first beer was for him. Can I do my honourable mentions first? You can do your honourable mentions first. So... And we're talking about the first beer that made it click where yeah. it was like, oh, I, you know, I had no idea beer could be this. Yeah. So what I, so I have one beer in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell the story. My honorable mention would be um, Allagash White. And the reason why I say that is because when I first moved to New York um, in 06, 07, right around then, there was a, um, um, a bowling alley in Williamsburg. Mm-hmm. called the gutter and me and a couple of our friends would always go there it was really cheap you know stuff you do in your you know your 20s go uh go bowling um order a couple of pitchers of beer and they had two beers they had i think it was bud or bud light budweiser one of those two and they had allagash white wow i had had it before in the past um and we knew that we didn't want to do the budweiser so we would order the pitchers of allagash white And that became sort of like our drink. And I remember thinking when we were getting pictures of that. And again, I'm, you know, I'm totally not paying attention to craft beer at that time at all. Um, I mean, I'm aware of it, but I'm not, I'm not into it. Um, But I remember thinking, wow, this is like so enjoyable, so refreshing. Um, I haven't really had flavors like this in a beer before. It was cloudy. It was bright yellow. Like, all of these things were clicking that were like telling me this was unlike beers that I was accustomed to. Yeah. Which um, were clear, crisp and. Yeah. yeah just store bought, you know, get you through super cheap, not well-made. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's your, stuff. that's your honorable mention to. That's my honorable mention. And the reason I say it's honorable mention is because again, I wasn't, fully paying attention at that time. So I do remember drinking it, but I don't remember it triggering any sort of um, response from me other than, wow, this is really good. So the beer that 
really stands out or made me think that, um, you know, think, you know, I didn't realize beer could taste like this was uh, Founders Breakfast Stout. Yeah. Um, I used to go to a craft beer bar, probably the first craft bar I used to go to and kind of by accident and proximity. Um, I was just starting to get into beer and I knew there was a place near me. Uh, this is in Brooklyn in Park Slope. Um, place was called Mission Dolores. I remember going there and I would try beers, but I wasn't, I was paying attention and I was starting to come back and, and I was, you know, using my phone and making notes and, mm-hmm. and starting to go down that path a little bit of like, Hey, you know, there's a lot of interesting beers out in the world. Um, and I remember they got that beer on tap and is that a beer that comes to the UK at all? Do you guys? Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Cause like Anthony's, uh, interview, which was the first one, episode one, uh, the same names come up founders, Sierra okay. Nevada that kind of vibe. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I just didn't know if I should describe it. So basically it's a stout. It's yeah. like 8.2 or 8.4. So not big, but not, but not small either. Mm-hmm. Um, loads of coffee, loads of vanilla, um, just like a big warming hearty stout. And at that time stout to me was um, like an Irish stout, like a dry, like yeah, dry yeah. and not very big, not very mm-hmm. bold. And I remember when I read the description, because they had a, um, you know, like a sheet that would walk you through every beer. I remember reading, you know, roasty, coffee, vanilla, and all of these things sounded good to me. So I was like, oh, well, I should, I should order that. That sounds great. And man, I can almost recall it exactly how it happened. But I remember sitting down and I remember taking the first sip of the beer. And I know it sounds cliche. It absolutely sounds like I'm making this up. You get me excited though. It sounds great. (laughs) I swear I sipped this beer and said, I didn't know beer could taste like this. Mm -hmm. Like I remember thinking that. And from then on, that was always a beer, even though, you know, so many breweries have come along. So many other beers have come along. So many, um, you know, the, the categories have been pushed and pushed further and, and made better. That's still a beer that I can go back to and drink it and have that sort of emotional, visceral response. Oh, that's incredible. And remembering when I had it. Yeah. And it's still in production. So you can literally oh, yeah. go back yeah. and try that, that beer. Yep. Um, I can't I, get it no, I, cause I always think that like with those kind of moments, um, whether, you know, cause your palate is learning, and uh, yep. that's something I've kind of talked about before is just that you're developing because you may never like exactly what you said. You've never had that experience before. So can you recapture that is, is, a, is an interesting concept, but with that beer, you can literally, and I imagine, you know, the founders is such an incredible facility that the, the changes are probably minimal to the actual base of the beer and ingredients and okay. taste. Yeah. Yeah. It's still very similar. And it's funny that you say that just doubling back to what you said about learning, Mm -hmm. uh, your palate is developing all of those things. I've said this before to other people, it may not be true, but I feel that it's true. But I always say that, um, to a large extent, um, no year in craft beer will be better than your first year. Well, that first year, everything is discovery. Everything is new. Every beer is exciting. And it's just so funny when you look back on it that 
you know, we've, you know, we've been doing this for a while now. So yeah. it's like, it, it's hard to elicit that really, really big response now. Um, but in that first year when everything is new, it's, it's exciting. Yeah. And that, that kind of cuts to, again, a point I made in the first episode of that. There's no real, like there is a first time, but then you're just having multiple times after that of just like, yep. you know, like that stout, it's nothing like a Flemish red ale or something like that. And when you try a Flemish red, you're just like, what the f- is this? What is this? <laughs> yeah. Um, so just for a bit of context, like kind of what time about, because you are originally from Richmond. Do I remember that correctly? From yes. a, wow. From Good a, call. Yeah, Richmond, Virginia. Um, and you RBA. Moved, yeah, and you moved up to New York. Is that like 10 years ago? Or what? Um, well, the, the long and short is that I left Richmond. I went to San Francisco. I was in San Francisco for um, three years, two and a half years. Um, went to DC for two years Mm -hmm. and then, um, up to New York and I was in New York for 13 years. Okay. So that's, so so you hit the West coast then. So, but there was nothing there that kind of did, uh, you had that moment with you would. No, I mean, again, we're talking about fresh out of college, super young, no money, like pitches, (laughs) pitches all day long. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) You know, Um, I I don't, I don't even know that I even had a craft beer back in those days. Yeah. But so you kind of, cause I was blown away when we did our trip to New York about, and maybe this isn't too dissimilar to a lot of UK cities, including Manchester, but like the scene there, what, five or six years ago, wasn't super developed in any way that was, I think when other half opened, I remember Sam saying that they were one of like five New York based breweries or something. Yep. Yep. It's so what's really interesting is that I started getting into craft and also getting into uh, photographing craft, like using my camera to, to document it right around when New York was taking off. Yeah. So my first few years in New York, there were, like I said, there were a handful of craft bars. Like I, I would go to them, but there were no New York handles. I mean, let me take that back. There was maybe like, um, I'm trying to think like Ithaca or um, Captain Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Like those are like the old school New York craft breweries, um, but they were very, very few. And there were none in New York. It was yeah. just cost prohibitive. No one was there. Um, and the reason being is because you know, I don't want to go down the path, but essentially you couldn't make money. You couldn't have a tap room and sell beers out of a tap room. Therefore the real estate in New York was too expensive. Um, but those laws got changed and right around when that got changed, that's when I think other half was the first one to open up. Yeah. If you go back in my, my Instagram and I hope that you don't because, (laughs) Um, but I actually have a photo from the second day that other half's tap room was open. And it's so wild to go back and look because no one was there. Cause I mean, they were so young. Yeah. Like, no one knew. And, um, that, and that tap room, original tap room is like a box room. It's tiny. So tiny. Yeah. So you had to go when you were over there into the original? Yeah. So when we went, we, I mean, we, yeah, we hooked up and did a brew together and they just use that space as an office now. And it's a really, yeah. really, really cool room. Like, uh, yeah. but I was just blown away that I think I'd seen some photos of it like years ago, 
and I don't know, I think I'd imagined it as a bit more grandiose. I think I'd imagined other half as a bit more grandiose, you know, like, cause they, right. they, their reputation carries them right. like, you know, uh, as one of the leading breweries in the world. Uh, but, right. but it's, yeah, it was tiny, like this tiny, tiny room. And, and Sam was just saying about yeah, how right. there was like 50, 60 people in there at first when it, when it started kicking off and oh, you yeah. know, full sardines. That was the thing. Like there were, there were times when, you know, when they started getting their notoriety and they, they got their notoriety very quickly. Mm-hmm. You would, um, you'd come down there and you'd sort of like peek into the door and it was just packed with people. Yeah. Cause I mean, we're talking a very, very small space. Super small. York, yeah. That's, yeah. I, I imagine there was people living in apartments that were probably smaller than that in New York. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, for sure. But, a doubt. but you kind of alluded to something there, which is, uh, you know why I was super excited to have you on as a guest, which is photography, because mm. you are, in my opinion, one of the leading and just one of my personal favorites, uh, beer photographers and just general photographers. Like the, the stuff you've done is, um, I think it just really tells a story with an image um, and, it, and it shares, you know, you can feel a bit more of the experience in, in what you mm. do. And I just wanted... Yeah, when when was it that you kind of started? I mean, before like maybe we zoom back a little bit, but you were marketing an advertisement before. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that was photography involved in that, or was it a kind of just a um, a hobby? It, it was and it wasn't. So first of all, thank you for saying that. Um, I'm not good at taking compliments. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. Um, so. It is and it is not related. So in advertising, I was an art director. And as an art director, um, when we would go produce things, whether it was TV commercials or print ads, I would often work with photographers. And um, one photographer that I worked with um, out in LA one time, he actually ended up being a ex-art director who had converted to photography. Mm -hmm. Um, And I learned this during our shoot. And I remember that experience of being on that shoot with him of, of thinking, you know, just because I'm an art director doesn't mean that I can't pick up a camera and and shoot. Like, why am I not? It's something I enjoy doing. I did it in college, but I just kind of forgot about it. Um, And that really sort of, I think, I think that was the impetus for deciding to like pick up a camera and just start shooting again. And, Mm -hmm. And at that time I didn't know, what it was. And I don't know if we want to get into it here, but you know, I went through a few sort of like evolutions. Initially it was just shooting stuff around New York and then that led to music. And then that led to a friend of mine that um, was in fashion. I did a few fashion shoots and then ultimately landed on beer, (laughs) but beer initially was purely a hobby and purely a, um, uh, it's hard to put it in context. You have to remember Instagram at that time. Like yeah. when I started taking photos of beer, um, there was like not a lot of people doing it. It, it. it wasn't a big thing. And I, and I don't mean that in, in a way of like, Oh, I was first. That's not at all how I mean it. Yeah. What I mean it is, is that I was looking for a community that was doing something similar. And when I went on to Instagram, I saw that there were people there that were taking photos of beer. So what it did is it, it mixed two things for me, my, my, you know, burgeoning newfound love of craft beer Mm -hmm. and a way to take photos. So 
Instagram became this quick little um, like community that I just like latched onto very quickly. Yeah. And I mean, I guess it lends it, it lent itself so well to that as well, because it was purely image driven, you know, and, yeah, and with 100%. short paragraphs underneath it. Um, yeah. And I don't know what it was like at that time, but how like design heavy uh, breweries were, because obviously it's a huge part of breweries now, you know, I mean, yeah, you, you can go for, there's obviously a conversation about style over substance and all of that kind of thing. But I think it's great. The kind of, uh, synergy that you have between design and um product yeah 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 i mean at that time i'm trying to remember back i think i started my instagram i can confirm and text you i think it was 2013 it might have been 2012 yeah um but at that time you know just to put it in context for america i think we were maybe at 1500 or 2000 breweries if that wow we're now at 8000 so it was like, it was just the very, very beginning. It was mm-hmm. there. There were, there were people doing it. Like I said, I, you know, I wasn't first. I went on Instagram. I was like, oh, here are other people taking pictures of beer. Perfect. I found my people. Yeah. Um, but it was not then what it is now. It was, you know, people were using Instagram as a way to say, you know, hey, we, you know, we put a new, you know, a new beer on tap and we're going to have growlers of this. Like it wasn't, it wasn't the, the marketing medium that it's become now. Like yeah. it's become the, this extremely powerful thing, particularly for craft breweries. Because again, I come from the ad world. Yeah. The ad world is big dollars. Like people spending tons of money for splashy advertising to run commercials, to do productions, to do all of this stuff. And Instagram is sort of free media. And you can make as much of it or as little of it as you want as a brewery. It's an incredible tool, man, and something that I've latched onto hard because um, um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna use this podcast to just keep repeating myself. I think I'll say the same every episode. But it was just when when there's such an incredible product being made, you need to carry that aesthetic forward through yeah. that. And and you know, without a doubt, the biggest tool that uh, has the most community i'd say heavily community driven is instagram um oh without a doubt and like i guess but this is like super early days because i i think photography generally from a brewer's standpoint like the breweries themselves is only really in the uk a, a year or two you know like it's not us it, it before it was just a lot of iphone shots um yeah which, you know, it's, it's fine, but like, obviously the cameras are so much better now, so you can do pretty incredible things. But, but I just wondered if you could kind of, um, dive in a little more to that. Cause y- you became a little bit, and I know you're going to hate me saying this, but like an, an influencer of sorts, <laughs> I'm sorry, dude, you can, you can end the interview here if you are, <laughs> but people, because you were, you were you were showing these incredible beers and talking about these incredible beers, but you were also giving an image to these incredible beers. And like you said, there was, I I don't think there was probably anyone doing it as well, maybe around that time. I mean, obviously I don't know the full scene of what it was, but I know that you will have been doing it well. And I know that speaking to people in New York, you were someone that uh, had respect that, that your opinion mattered within that scene. Thank you. Um, First of all, <laughs> yeah, that's that's hard to take. I mean, I completely chalk that up to 
Yeah, I'm, everyone has heard the phrase "right place at the right time." Mm-hmm. I happened to be into craft right as it was taking off. I happened to be in New York City, which has become sort of an epicenter. Yeah, for, yeah, for for all of America. Um, so I happened to be there at the right time, and I happened to have an interest in photography. Like none of this was thought out. Yeah. Like it's not like it's not like I sat down one day and I was like, you know what? I, where are the opportunities? How can I make myself feel important? I've got it beer. You know, it's like, it was just something I enjoyed and it was something that was a creative outlet for me. And I think that was the most, um, I think that was the biggest driving force, which was love of beer, uh, love of trying to capture things and give an aesthetic to them and make them, um, well, kind of like what you said, like, if that much care is going into what's being made, I want to put that much care into capturing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was doing that fairly early on. And again, you know, you could go back to that time. There were a handful of people for sure. I, you know, I'm going to draw a blank now. Um, but if you go back, there were, there were a handful of people, nothing like it is now. Yeah. But there were a few people where I remember looking and going, wow, you know, there, that this person's also taking great photos and, and what was really interesting about that at that time, again, you know, we're talking about scenes that are starting to pop up. It was cool to follow them because not only was I following their photography, but I was following what was happening in their scene, which was different from my scene. And that from a, from a documentary standpoint is super cool. Yeah. It's like, how could I know what's going on in Austin? How can I know what's going on in LA? I'm not there. I'm in New York. Um, and so the reverse of that was kind of what I was doing. I was New York in the Northeast pretty much. Um, so I was capturing a lot of Maine and a lot of Virginia and a lot of New York and just trying to like put that out there because I knew people in Seattle or, or Portland, Oregon didn't know what was going on. So it was, it was almost a way of, um, editorializing yeah and communicating i guess like to to yeah. friends on different shows like america's a big yeah. place with with a, such a diversity <laughs> of people and uh and beer scenes uh you kind of briefly touched on Maine there because obviously uh allagash as like the storytelling there is absolutely incredible and i think it's, it's a friend of yours the photographer uh, matt yeah. yeah yeah matt and i think he um, exemplifies every i mean he does and again, I'm I'm going to use your words here because you put up a really cool photo. I think you just took a photo of him holding his camera or something and said, you may not recognize so-and-so, but oh, wow. this guy. And then, yep. and you said he, 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 he doesn't just show pictures of beer. He tells a story of the whole state of Maine because Allagash is such a huge, huge yep. entity. And they use, you know, like, uh, I think it's like 80% of their grain or something comes from the state of Maine. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's got a bit of a dream job as well. I mean, it's pretty beautiful up there. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah. And again, you know, it's funny that you bring them up because there are really good, um, there are great Instagrams out there, and there are great brewery Instagrams. But what I love that they've done, and this is me putting on my sort of marketing cap, mm-hmm. is you you can go to that that Instagram and not be a fan of their beer and still find something to like there because 
like you said, they tell a they tell a story of not the beer, but where the beer comes from, where it's made, and and the ethos of being in Maine. Yeah. So to me, that's a much broader story. It it, it gives people something more to grasp onto. Yeah. And I've talked to a few people, um, you know, just various breweries that have reached out about, you know, maybe shooting for them or, you know, helping them out. And I always point to them as the North star. I'm like, if you want to see, and again, you, you, I don't think you can come right out of the gate doing that. You know, the, the interesting thing about Instagram is it's, it's a long game. You've got to, you've got to build it over time. Like it's not going to happen overnight, but I think what you do is you, you develop your voice and you, you, you remain true to the things that you want to talk about and the things that influence your brand. And you take the long look at it and you say, this is going to be a representation of us. Um, and I think that's what they've done. Yeah. I mean, they obviously recognize the talent that, that he had. And, but obviously there is a story to tell there as well. Like Maine lends itself so much that I feel like yeah. I couldn't really do the same with Manchester. Um, <laughs> it's not, it's not, uh, is agriculturally rich uh, right, as maybe the right, state of Maine, right. but you um you kind of touched on again there um about like actually getting jobs within beer photography mm-hmm. uh at the project you did well i don't know if you'd call it a project or just a job but with like threes brewing um mm-hmm. i know you shot with those guys and i wondered if like what was the first kind of paid maybe you were paid in beer or something but where, where a brewery ap- approached you uh, to to do some shots for them um I'm trying to think. So that year, it was two or three years ago, I actually did a number of projects. And if I remember correctly, um, the threes guys might check me on this. <laughs> if I remember correctly, um, actually, I've got the timeline. So the timeline is um, uh, uh, New York City does um, craft beer week. And I think that happens in March, mid-March. And um, Basil from Finback is the uh, president and he and I have long been friends and he follows me on Instagram and, you know, he's just, he's a good dude that keeps track of what I'm doing. And when they were starting to really build that festival, he reached out to me and said, um, we'd love you to come and document it. Um, And then that way we can use it as promotion for the next year. Um, and I'm pretty sure that was my first paid one. Um, I might be wrong about that, but so obviously I said, yes, I wanted to help out the New York city beer community. And then after that, um, I remember thinking, well, there's probably other people that could use this and, and maybe I can sort of, uh, pitch myself in a way. So I, I went home. I built a little PowerPoint deck about who I am and what I do and showed examples and basically built a little bit of a case study for myself. And right around that time that I was doing that, um, I had become very good friends with the guys at threes. They're four blocks from me. I was there all the time. Um, there, one of their owners, um, Josh had mentioned to me, Hey, you know, we we're thinking about maybe, stepping up our, our Instagram game. And, you know, we see it's a big tool and I think we might want something a little more than iPhone. 
And I said, funny you mentioned that because I'm actually working on a deck right now. Maybe we should talk. So we set up a meeting. I came in, um, showed my deck, presented, you know, what I thought I could bring to the table. And um, almost right there on the spot, they hired. It was a project basis. Um, each time we set up a fee schedule, um, he and I would work on a shot list. Um, he would tell me what they had coming out, what they needed. Um, and I think I did. This was right before I moved. Um, I want to say half a dozen, maybe eight or 10 shoots for them over the time. And I, Um, yeah, I mean, I strongly urge anyone, you know, that wants to check out your photography. I I thought, I I don't know if this was a later one that I saw probably, but the the shots you did for those guys were beautiful. I think it actually was their new tap room, maybe. Would that mm, be right? Oh, oh, the Franklin and Kent. Yeah. 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 Um, And it's so fascinating that it's actually threes because, I think, and, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, I think they've just put up, because of this time and because of what's happened with the current crisis is that, you know, digital, you know, beer almost needs to become digital in a a way. You know, people are interacting with it more and more through their screen. So I think they've just put up for a job as like a digital developer or digital content manager and things like that so they're obviously maybe carried on from that thought of of what you kind of brought to the table and kind of pushing that forward into into what is you know after this crisis going to be a little bit of a new age in uh yeah in in beer and 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 just i guess in life probably Yeah. yeah everything has changed everything has changed After living in Brooklyn for 13 years, Corey and his wife decided to uproot and move to another beer city, uh, this time in Europe, Copenhagen. Uh, We get into the weeds a little bit here about how Corey got involved with Broaden and Build and also just the general scene in Copenhagen compared to Brooklyn. You're listening to Track Brewing Co. Presents The Thirst Time and this is Corey Smith. So... Next step. So you left New York around a year ago. Uh, next Wednesday will be one year. So one year ago, and you left for another very uh, beer-led city, Copenhagen. Yes. And I wonder. Yes. I mean, there is so many. They, they feel like just kind of like paradoxical cities. You've got like New York, never sleeps, absolute go, kind of like chaos. Um, in an, in an amazing way. Um, and then you've got Copenhagen, which is this kind of like beautiful, serene, mm-hmm. everything works. <laughs> um, yep. So I, w- I wondered how you kind of found the, the shift from, from New York to Copenhagen. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's definitely been a change. Mm-hmm. You know, I won't, I won't, you know, pretend that that's not the case. Um, it's definitely different. Um, but with that said, I think, I think my wife and I were, were looking for that, that difference. Um, and, you know, she and I have this conversation um, quite often, actually. It's, I think that you can, you know, love the place that you're currently in, but still have love and reverence from where you came from. Totally. Before where you came from. Um, nothing will replace New York. Nothing can replace New York. Um, we were there for 13 years, um, built an insanely 
large network of good friends and good times. And, you know, there's all of these memories and things attached, but we had also, um, we had always, you know, toyed with the idea of living abroad, you know, and we had always toyed with the idea of, you know, what if we went to a, a city that wasn't as crazy and, and, and hectic as New York, um, like a slower pace of life. And we had been visiting, you know, Copenhagen for years and she got a job opportunity. And it's just one of those things where, um, I don't know how you say no to that. I don't know how you say no. And, you know, six months down the road or a year down the road, think to yourself, why the, why the hell didn't we do that? Why mm-hmm. didn't we take that chance? Um, so yeah, it's definitely different. Um, it's different in so many good ways, so many positive ways. Um, it's a beautiful city. Um, it's m- much more manageable than New York. Do you um, miss Do you miss the madness slightly of like the the, the chaos of New York? I do. I yeah. do. I do. Um, we uh, when we flew home uh, for the holidays back in December, instead of going straight to Virginia. Um, we decided to fly into New York and just drive a car down like we had always done. Um, and then that way we could pick up, you know, three or four days in New York, see some friends. And I remember we got off the the subway and I was like, wow, like right in downtown Brooklyn, like right where we used to live. And I'm like, I mean, it's, it smacks you in the face the moment you step out. This is definitely not Copenhagen. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But it's, but it's fun. It's, it's energetic. I, I just said to her either today or, or yesterday, like, you know, that city can drive you crazy, but it's energy is, is unparalleled. There's nothing like it. And there's the other side is because, um, you know, I got to experience for the first time last year and, mm-hmm. you know, we're lucky enough to travel to places where we've, we've already kind of got friends, you know, at different breweries and stuff. Yep. But I was blown yep. away as well by the the community around the tap rooms mm-hmm. and the beer scene. Like we bumped into the same people yep. numerous times and they were so, yep. so welcoming and just cool to hang out with them. We kind of finished the, the, the last night happened to be Interborough's birthday. I can't remember which birthday it was. So it was a total kind of, you know, everyone from every brewery and everyone who drank in the bars and everyone knew each other and um, all the bar staff and it was it was awesome man and, and a, a very very different feel to to any of the kind of taproom culture that i think we have in europe at the moment which is yeah you know and it's just more more developed you know and it's and it's been there longer so that's that's but everything about that is what i hope that, that you know the uk will become one day where you can yeah and i think there's a few that that are are doing that and um yeah, it's just it's just a beautiful place to be. Just like good people, good yeah. beer. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the reason for that is, but I have my my suspicions. I I'm glad that you mentioned that because I've always said that that I haven't, you know, I've I've traveled around, I've gone to various beer cities, um, I've written stories in other cities. I think it has to do with New York being so packed in and so tight and everyone being able to go you know, if I want to pop by beer wax or gold star or Finback or whatever, you can kind of all do it. And maybe it's because it all started five or six years ago, right around the same time that the, 
the community of people there, to your point, from brewers to distributors to barbacks, like everybody knows each other. And it's like, it's this huge community that always comes out to support everybody. And, yeah. you, you know, I don't, I don't see that here in Copenhagen. Yeah. Um, and that's not a, that's not a slide. I think it, it's a much smaller city. Um, there's far less breweries. So it's, it's not a slide. It's just different. Um, so, you know, when I go back to New York and I go out to other half or, or I pop by Folk's beer or I go by threes, I'm almost guaranteed that I'm going to run into somebody yeah. from that community. And that's such a beautiful thing to be able to like, yeah. I mean, I bumped into someone in proletariat, you know, Jason, yeah. Jason from Hudson Valley. And I was like, oh, yeah. right it's on. a big city to bump into people, but you go to the right bar, you're always going to find yep. it, I guess. Yep. Um, 100%. So yeah, I guess like, so yeah, Copenhagen, a whole new chapter for you, but you got yep. snapped up pretty quick with a very exciting project, which was Broaden and Build, which um, for those yep. that don't know, is a project that was kind of run by Matt Orlando, who was once head chef at Noma and then went on to start his own restaurant, Amass, which is world renowned, um, truly incredible chef and someone that I hope to maybe try and speak to on one of these podcasts. Uh, you'll have to hook me up. Uh, Corey with that <laughs> you can arrange that yeah um arrange that. but yeah he launched his own project which was very much focused around uh produce like food produce and beer and how you could integrate those two things um mm -hmm. kind of pioneering really I don't think there's any way that's really that focused on that kind of process uh as broaden and build and it's still in its you know uh early days as, as a brewery yeah as we're well. barely one year in yeah just celebrate so I wondered if you could go in a little bit of like how that came to be and, you know, what excited you about that project? Yeah. So when I moved over here, obviously my wife had a job. I didn't. Um, and I was, you know, juggling, do I go back to the ad world um, or do I try to do something in beer? Because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, and I, I did take a few meetings with some ad agencies here just to, see what was going on. I didn't know anything about the ad community here. Um, but at the, at the same time, I knew about a mass. Um, I knew about Broaden and Build. I'd never had any of their beer because they opened, you know, before we even moved here. Um, but I knew about them. They were on my radar. And I remember because of my, you know, I have a really big interest in food. I wouldn't call myself a foodie or whatever that is, but definitely like try to keep up with what chefs are doing new and innovative things. Um, and I'm also obviously heavily into beer. And I remember identifying them as um, somebody that I should probably write a story on because they kind of mixed those two. And I didn't really know of anyone doing it to that degree. And in, in, in a city that is, you know, lead, like it's culinary scene as well as beer scene is. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, the amount of like, renowned restaurants for such a small population is it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so I, I had been in touch with their PR person. Um, and he invited me out for a beer and I met up with him at, at Broaden. And after a brief conversation, I was like, Oh, I should pitch this as a story. So I pitched it to Pellicle in London. Yeah. Um, which is Matt Curtis and those guys, ex-GBH. Um, and they were 
super into it. They're great guys to work with, super um, positive. And they were like, oh, you know, we, we want to write more about cider and food and like all of these things. So they were like, definitely, you know, we'll, we'd love to have you write that. So I set up an interview with them, um, interviewed Tiago, um, interviewed Matt, um, shot the place. Yeah, it took some incredible, like, again, check out Corey's website. I'm sure, have you got him on the website at the moment, Corey the Broadenville? Um, I do. Yeah, the story is linked on my website yeah. for the yeah. Broadenville story. Yeah, I mean, you because um, the, the space is such an incredible space as well and where it's set and, yeah. and you really, really captured that. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, so I, I interviewed them over two days. Or no, yeah, I interviewed them over two days and I shot over two days. And on the second day, um, we actually went to a mass to interview uh, because it's really loud at the brewery and I wanted to sit down with him and Tiago. And at the very end of our conversation, um, Matt, when he was leaving, said, um, I'm about to go on a trip. I can't remember where it was, uh, but we should talk when you get when I get back. And I was like, oh, OK, cool. About what? Um, and he he had heard, he had learned from um, their PR person of my like marketing background and my writing background, photography background and all of those things. And I think in his mind, because they were a new brand, they, he thought that I, that there would be potential there to mm-hmm. work for them. So he came back from his trip. I'm trying to condense this. He came back from the trip. We sat down, we had a meeting and he said, um, I'm interested in working with you, but I don't know what that looks like. So I went away, came back to my apartment, and over a period of days, he simply developed a deck and talked to them about what a role that I could play. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about branding, talking about Instagram, talking about design, talking about photography, basically all of these things that I could do, went back, presented that to them, and they were like, this is great. Um, but, you know, we don't want to hire you right away because this is, we don't know. Like, we don't know if we need this role. Can you freelance for us? Um, and that was in August. And the freelance was, can you come to London and essentially do an Instagram takeover for us and go to Craft Beer Week? Yes, I so, remember. Yeah. So you were just freelancing at that time. I, I remember. I was, yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. So that was my first gig with him. They said, um, come to London for a week, uh, document, take over our Instagram. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. Mm -hmm. So I did that, came back and at that point, um, they were like, yeah, we'd, we'd love to bring you on. And again, that, you know, that, that's my first industry gig. Like I've been connected to it through through photography. I've been connected through it as a writer, but I've actually never worked at a brewery. Yeah. Um, so that was super exciting. It was very cool. So that, that that actually became your job role then as, as Broaden and Builds kind of. Yeah, my technical title is uh, brand and marketing manager. Wow. Uh, fancy way of saying that anything that is creative there runs through me, whether it's label design or photography or writing our newsletter or yeah. basically anything with some sort of designing merch. Yeah. Um, 
that I, I handle all I've that. I've got to say, that's a pretty cool job that you managed to score yourself there, yeah. Corey. <laughs> Very well deserved as well. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about trying to make this uh, like interview and podcasting a covid free zone but it feels too important to kind of to gloss yeah. over um because it's going to have such a lasting effect on on everything and not all negative you know there's a lot of positives and stuff that can come out of it as well um but you've just released um an amazing project uh called closed open uh, wow. which i dove into at the weekend and i've got to say like it was it's pretty hard reading in in certain places because you can really feel the weight and devastation of these people that have put their whole lives into building um building these restaurants um and all they want to do is serve people that's like that's what a restaurant is they want to have people in they want to have people laughing and smiling and enjoying the food and then you know going about the day so i wondered if you could kind of just give us a little bit of uh you know what what inspired that project um obviously you were working closely with matt so I imagine that was a little bit of a gateway into it, but but yeah, you're going to be covering the rest of Copenhagen as well. Yeah. So basically, you know, brought in build it shut. Um, we couldn't work because yeah, not to delve into it too much, but Denmark has these packages, and the packages pay businesses to keep people on staff instead of firing them. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't working, um, and. I was, you know, at home and, you know, I was, I don't know, feeling antsy, like mm-hmm. I wanted to be creative. Um, but also, you know, my wife works in the industry. She works at Noma. I know those people. I know Matt. I know Mass. Um, I know Rocio. I know Sanchez. Basically, I, I knew all of these people were like hurting, basically. And I remember thinking like, well, you know, what can I do? Like, is there anything I can do? You know, I feel like there's a lot of people that, that, you know, wonder that like, you know, well, I, you know, I don't have, (laughs) I don't have, you know, a vast fortune of money that I can just prop up restaurants. I I can't do that, but you know, what can I do? And um, initially it became just a photo project. And I was like, well, maybe I'll just capture them in their space because I think I wrote it on my site. There's this real sort of like creative dissonance there of like, these are rooms that are built to invite people in. And currently they can't do that. So this it's broken. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as I thought about it, it felt, um, it felt like I was getting something out of it, but that they weren't. And I didn't want that to happen. I didn't want me to come in, take a photo of them, and I end up with this, you know, this, this image that's, you know. Yeah, this melancholy kind of like chef yeah, in an exactly. empty building image, yeah. Exactly. Like, aesthetically, it could be beautiful, but it felt like, well, what do they get out of it? And then that's when it became a thought of like, well, when I write stories for, you know, Good Beer Hunting and Punch and all these places, I interview people. And I have a website. So that's when it clicked where I thought, well, maybe I'll, I'll photograph them, but then I'll also interview them. And then even though I don't have, you know, an enormous reach, I have a little bit of reach. I can push this on my Instagram. I can put it on my website. I can do what I can do. And I think that's what it came down to. It was me 
thinking, I'm a, I'm a photographer, I'm a writer, this is what I can do. So I should at least do that. At minimum, I should do that. Um, and that's really where, where, where it started. I pitched it to Matt as, as the first person because I'm closest to him. And he loved it. He was like, please, I would love to sit down and talk to you. Like, we need to get as many voices about what's going on in the, um, you know, hospitality industry as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, so I shot him, I interviewed him. And then that's when it just became a thing. Everyone that I've reached out to now has been extremely gracious and extremely kind. And yeah, it's just, it's rewarding to, instead of just have some, have me get something out of it, it's been rewarding to sort of flip the script and, and let them have a voice and, and talk about this because this is unique. No one knows what's going on. No, oh, and, and I mean, if there's, and as, as a, uh, industry, like the restaurant industry is definitely feeling it. Yeah. And cause it, I mean, Copenhagen is slightly opening back up, but, um, you know, the right. Matt Orlando one's really interesting because he's like, right, well, we're going to open a mass. We're going to have a natural wine bar and a chicken shop next to like this yep. insane, like taste the menu, nine yep. course dining experience. And we're just going to see if it fucking works. Like it yeah. might not, but we've got it. And I think, yeah. you know, you really, it really, really picked out the fragility of the industry and also the, the decades of work and and uh, talent that goes into making uh, a place like a mass or um was it is it sanchez cantina is it the yeah so there's restaurant sanchez restaurant and then her taquerias are Iha de sanchez yeah and the images with the words just just they give you the perfect image of what's going on um so no dude i i, I was i was blown away by that I, I thought it was incredible and and it's interesting hearing you say um you know you wanted to give something back because as a photographer a lot of the times you're just waiting for that moment. You know, you, you could get lucky with your camera and take a, like a beautiful bit of street photography, but it might not, it might be a, the, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that it was a positive experience for someone else, but like you got something right. away from it. You, you can take yeah. something away from it. Uh, but right. with that, it, it definitely felt like there was a, a partnership that really worked well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. Cause that, that was where the conflict came for me was, if I go in and I photograph Matt or I photograph Rosie or I photograph, you know, Bo at Aluka, what do they get out of it? Yeah. They're the ones hurting right now, not me. Mm. Well, yeah, again, it, it's awesome. And I, and it's nice to hear this stuff because I didn't know that backstory behind it. So it was nice to see, see that you had that conversation and that dialogue where you were asking yourself what, what it was that you were trying to do yeah. rather than just take yeah, nice photos. Was, Cause I, I, I think, it. you know, cause I love taking um, photographs as well and sometimes you can just get lost in the moment of trying to search for a great photograph rather than actually pay attention to the mood around you um, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure but yeah I'm I mean guilty. yeah <laughs> but that um, really ties up as well like why I really wanted to do this interview with you Corey because I feel like you've kind of just bounced off the sides like pinballed around from like just someone that had a curiosity and just followed it and it's led you to a whole new city um, yeah. and being the head of a, a super innovative beer and food project. Um, yeah. And that was just kind of just through a few skills that you'd acquired through, I guess, hobbies that you'd enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. Just doing what, I don't know, what compelled me, what made me feel, you know, uh, 
creatively um, satisfied. Yeah. It was, it's all just been stuff that I'm like, oh, I'm passionate about that. Let me go do that. Mm-hmm. And then I guess you just meet some really cool people along the way that go, we want you to do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For yeah. a living. I mean, you know, if I had some wood, I'd knock on wood, but yeah, it's, it, it has worked out for sure. For yeah. Sure. Well, it's really, again, this conversation has been awesome, man. Thank you so, so much for doing it. Um, of course. again, of course. you, you were someone that I really wanted to have on because I, I'm, I don't want this to just be a super, like totally beer focused, obviously beer is the kind of center of it. Um, and I don't want like loads of like really geeking out, which we will do for sure at points. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. So I think we can I'll say it again. I'm flattered you asked. Yeah. <laughs> I'm flattered you said yes. Um so yeah, I think we're gonna land this with the the last question. There's loads, there's so much more I want to chat to you about, but we could lose hours to, to this. Um so yeah, I kind of yeah. I kind of told you a little bit about the premise of the last question, which is the very last beer. Or if you could produce any beer you wanted to, what would it be? I called it the death row beer, which kind of felt a bit negative and you called it the desert island beer. So we'll go yeah. with desert island beer. So you've got all the tricks in the trade. Uh, you can brew whatever you want. What's that beer going to be? Oh man, you did tell me and then I completely <laughs> forgot. Shit. Um, you know, it's, it's going to sound cliche, but I think what I would do is just a really, really solid Pilsner. Amazing. And the reason why I say that is because I'm trying to think if I'm on a desert island, I'm trying to work out the... the wait, 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 wait. Right. It's like a desert island beer. It doesn't mean you're on a desert island though. It's just the, the concept yeah. of that. <laughs> okay. Well, you can add weather to it if you want. Yeah. About, I'm trying to think about a beer that I can enjoy at any time of day. Mm-hmm. Um, one that is simply presented. Um, and one that is, I know what I'm getting when I go for it. Again, if this is my last mm-hmm. desert Island, death row, whatever we call it. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I think I would just go with a really, really solid Pilsner. I know that that's not glamorous and it's not exciting. Um, Dude, but I think I'd be with you, man. I'd be with you on the desert Island or death row Pilsner. Yeah. <laughs> oh, your name, Death Row Pilsner. Death Row Pilsner. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think I totally get where you're coming from with that. Um, so once again, Corey, thank you so much for doing this, dude. And if anyone wants to kind of like look at your photography, is there anywhere where they best connect with you? Yeah. So yeah, my so my photo site is Corey with no e CoreySmithPhoto.com. and then obviously on Instagram, it's um, well, it used to be a lot easier when it was BK Beer Guy. The BK Beer Guy. Uh, yeah, now it's Corey underscore S underscore Smith. Okay. Thank you so much, dude. Corey, I can't wait yeah, to actually thanks. share a beer with you uh, at know, one point. I know. It's been too long. It's been too long, maybe in Copenhagen, maybe back in my It was center. supposed to be happening right around now. You guys were due to come over. Mikula, yeah. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. But yeah, yeah thanks so much, dude. Good chat, man. Yeah, we'll you talk too, soon. man. All right, see you, bud. That's it. Episode two in the bag. Thank you so much for listening. I uh, really hope you enjoyed that one. 
I've got to say a massive, massive thanks to Corey for joining me. It was great to hear more about his process and how he got involved in the beer scene in general and also a little bit more about how he came at it from his photography angle. Um, I think we got most of it covered. I could have talked for an extra hour, two hours to this guy. So thank you so much again. This is Track Brunco Presents the First Time. Uh, I'm your host, Stefan Melbourne, and we'll be back next week. Stay thirsty.